This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Zeta are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome back to another fabulous episode of your fabulous learning nerds. Yes, I said that twice. I'm Scott Schuette, your host, and with me always, my fabulous co-host Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Danielson. So nice. You said it thrice. Fabulous times three. I love it. Love it. All right, here we go. Dan, how are you doing? Fair to midnight. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel now I feel a lot of pressure. I feel like if I don't say it, I'm letting yeah. people down. Well, but, but, but I am. I am, in fact, right now. Fantastic. Fair to midland. Um, I've heard you've had some really busy and productive times this week, but now things are a little mellowed out. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, um, always busy. Uh, I think we joked about it literally moments before we started recording. Uh, I'll be busy till the day I die. And that's the way I I like like it it. too. (laughs) So I have to share, we have to start this conversation because I've discovered something and I have gone deep down the AI rabbit hole and that hole that I went down is named Bing Image Creator. Have you tried Bing Image Creator, Dan? I have played with the Bing Image Creator a little bit, but but what powers it is ChatGPT, and they just dropped the new ChatGPT inline image creator, and that's that's where I've been playing. Is that playing part of that. the subscribed one, or? Maybe. Maybe maybe I'm extra fancy with that subscribe. I'm going to have to look, because the one that I, I go to OpenAI, I have a subscription to OpenAI. People, if you don't have a subscription to OpenAI, go get one. It's free. Okay? Just go get one. So I was using Dolly-2, right? And Dolly-2 is worse than me using crayons to draw something, really. Honestly, it's not very good. <laughs> It's it's not it's but in theory it's cool and so somebody I don't know just showed up in my feed try Bing Image Creator and I typed in the craziest thing giant pumpkin monster trick or treating with kids on Halloween and four images came up oh and I had to tell it it was anime style or whatever and oh my god it was gorgeous now the only thing that I can't do is I can't do iterative generations of that image but i could ask it to create many different styles of that image it still doesn't like photo stock very much uh, maybe the other one for you does but uh, to be able to create what's in my brain better than i could create it myself as a creative person just with typing prompts and playing with prompts and all good stuff is 
fascinating to me. And then, but wait, there's more. So then I decided that I would go ahead and take Z Girl's idea and suggestion and play with Photoshop and their AI, generative AI stuff. And holy nightmare. Is that amazing? Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, take that picture, put the crop tool around it, right? And I got it because it only does a four by four picture. I don't, I, nothing I produce is in four by four. Everything's in 16 by nine. So I'm going to widen it out, six by nine. What's on the edges? You know, the things that are out there floating the ether, it doesn't matter. What's on those edges, you just hit generate, boop, and it just creates something. And if it isn't what you want, you do it again, boop, and you just keep doing it till you want it. Oh, Got something in your picture that you don't like? Go to the background, circle it. I'm going to take Dan out of my picture. We're going to go get him out of there. Boop. And it's gone. It's it's That's literally fair. gone That's in fair. a minute versus what would take me weeks because I'm not great at Photoshop is taking me minutes. And to be able to explore new creative ideas and then tweak them in a, in a program that is already top of the line as far as far as graphics control in my humble opinion these new ai things that they've added to it folks if you got photoshop you gotta try it you totally gotta try it it's unbelievable i think there's somebody who we could ask about this photoshop stuff (gasps) who who would that be i think it could be the duchess of design it could be ladies and gentlemen zeta's here Zeta. I thought I smelled something art shaped. <laughs> hey, Scott. Oh my God. Okay. All right. I'm still high on this thing. Like, I know you've been playing with it for weeks and we talked about it in our A thing. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I went, oh my gosh. Uh, it's addicting too. Have you noticed that? Are you addicted to it? I am. It's, it's, you keep trying, you're like, oh, wait, maybe I can do this. And well, maybe I can do that. And then going through all the different ones and being like, oh, okay. And then saving them as layers yes. and then just trying more. I just, I love it. I love it. So now what I've learned from being image creators, I'm creating little bits and pieces of things that I want. And then I go into Photoshop and I make exactly what I want because AI is not there yet. Like, and one of the things I have learned with Bing is that the more times I ask it to create the same thing, the more pissed off it gets at me <laughs> because then it starts just creating weird stuff. Like, okay, that's not exactly what I want. Could you do it this way instead? Oh, by the way, yeah. have you, have, have you done it through the chat? So their chat bot is actually pretty solid, right? So you can go ahead and say, Hey, create, you can use create an image in their chat bot being chat also free. Mm-hmm. Just sign up for a Microsoft account. Who the hell doesn't have a Microsoft account? Everybody's got one. They're free. So at any rate, <laughs> <laughs> Like, here it is. Here's what I created for you. Huh. Could you make the dress yellow? Oh, yeah. And that won't be the exact same image, but it, the dress will be yellow. But the more times I ask it for the same thing, it just gets more and more discombobulated, which is... It does. It then does. I have to, like, change it up. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to do this anymore. I'm going to give you a rest, which is cool. Um, and the only other thing I'm going to say about this, I know I've ranted far too long. Folks, you gotta go try this. Um, initially, <laughs> at least earlier this week for me, my experience was in the middle of the afternoon. God help you if you wanted to create anything because everybody and their dog was on being image creator and it would take five hours to create an image unless you had a boost, right? So they give you 25 boosts at the beginning of each day now, each day. Oh, wow. I can create 25 different things today. 
and then I got to wait for hours. But the at least today, my experience today was like 30 seconds on average at two o'clock in the afternoon. So either everybody's bored of it or they figured it out. I'm not sure. Thoughts? They might they might have increased uh, their capacity so that way they could then have less wait, waiting time, more people, more iterations. I know when MidJourney was going through it, they, they had to increase their bandwidth multiple times because they hit a ceiling multiple times. Again, folks, you got to be on it. If you're not playing with these tools, you're behind. The increased productivity that we're going to get from new tech is astronomical. Don't fall behind. Get in on it. It's fun. You'll be able to um, educate and coach and teach people around you how to do it. It's just Amazing. You'll add value in your space. I'm telling you today, you learn how to do this kind of stuff today. You'll be adding value in your space. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, you don't want to be here a year from now where it's like, gee, I haven't really tried it. I don't know. And by then, um, the world's going to have passed you by. And uh, don't be that way. Don't be the big button phone person. Okay? <laughs> don't be that person. <laughs> the big button phone person? Yeah, but what if it's a know, red button? I feel like I feel like we may have dated ourselves a little bit with. That oh button. no, they're still there. You can still go buy a big button phone at Walmart if you need the big button phone. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> I have friends. My wife's got a friend who insists on having a big button flip phone. That's it. Yeah, we have gushed enough about AI. It is time for us to dive into our topic of the week. All right, this week we're talking about culture of continuous learning. Hey, folks, do you have a learning culture? How do you know if you got a learning culture? Why is a learning culture important? We're going to talk about that. We're going to give you some things to think about, ponder some things that uh, you may want to actively try and do and or upsell to your leadership because you want to know what learning is important. Yeah, so like, listen, obviously... As a learning and development focused podcast, I feel like maybe we're a little bit biased uh, on the importance of building a culture of continuous learning. Uh, But even if we are, and we are, I can't tell you how important having a culture that's based around upskilling your people and keeping them at the bleeding edge of what's next is important to like the agility of your business and just the future of your business. Listen, in learning and development world, I can't tell you how many times I've just been like, man, like if we could just teach them how to do this, if we could just have time for that, if we could just get them to do something for like operations folks that that talk probably sounds a little bit different, but it's the same outcome. Oh, I wish they would do this. Oh, I wish they would do that. Oh, I wish they wouldn't do this or they wouldn't do that. All those wishings, those are a symptom of putting learning second, putting learning not up front. And and more importantly, of episodic learning. Just this idea that like, hey, learning's what happens once a year when we have to do like the government mandated like human resources training that everybody just plays like how fast can i click i do not envy it departments the month after hr training comes out i'm sure they have like boxes of dead mice click 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 how do i get through this continuous learning is 
building available, ready to serve learning that helps your staff, whether that's leaders, frontline, that helps your people to be ready to grow and develop when you and they need it most. And it is vitally important. Why is it vitally important, Dan? Oh, good question. Solid question. We talked about it at the, when I began this, this ramble. Like, hey, like, when your people begin to think about, why am I here? If the first thing they say is paycheck, you have a problem. Your people should be there because they're passionate about what they're doing. They're they're building purpose. They should be there because your role and your company provides purpose and growth opportunities. Continuous learning is about building those growth opportunities for your people. Those ability, that time and that ability to grow, develop, to self-grow, to self-develop. If you aren't pushing a culture that helps your people do that, they will eventually go find a culture that does. That's why it's important. Great segue. Here's a question for everybody. Boom, boom, boom. Anybody? Average tenure of Generation Z. Those people coming to work for you, those new people fresh out of college. Uh, I would, I would guess like a year and a half, two years. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume we're right in that two year window. Yeah, max. two years, two year, three months. Yep. Millennials. Yep. Two years, nine months. Closer to the three year mark because that's that's usually the uh, if you don't have any growth within three years, you find something better to grow. I'll share this anecdotal evidence. Uh, 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 behind that when I was growing up my father told me don't ever stay any place longer than three years that is not advice I have followed but me at uh, in between that line between millennial and, and gen x and my father firmly in that gen x boomer category like even he was thinking three years max then you're on to the next. How long you should stay someplace should be, again, just back to the continuous learning. When you're done growing, then it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to tie that to a clock, <clears throat> you're just going to make yourself miserable. I, I worked one place. I was there for, God, almost five years. And honest to goodness, I had a bunch of growth and development in the beginning. And then I had a bunch of growth and development in the last year. But in the middle, it was just like, lather, rinse, repeat. Like it was just the same old, same old. And just like I had fallen into a rut and it wasn't until I was like, man, I I need to change. I need to devote some time to like my growth, my development that it was like, okay, cool. And I was in the learning development department for that place. And I'll tell you what, like continuous learning was something they, they wanted to happen, but the culture wasn't set up to drive it. Mm. The, the training was available, the mechanisms were available, the switches, the dials, the levers, they were all set, but the culture wasn't there. Then I, I worked at a place just shy of a year. Like I got laid off, and 
man, the growth and development I had there, I would have stayed there until the growth and development stopped. So if you're measuring like on time, it's a self-defeating prophecy. I think that's my two cents. Yeah. Context is everything. Like if you're growing in a space, continue to grow and thrive, especially if you're given challenges, go for it. If you have like a milestone and you're reaching for it and you have that kind of culture that helps enable that, heck yeah, go for it. But yeah, there's a lot of places if you don't grow, like we were talking before, if you don't use the new tools, if you don't learn, if you don't adapt to these new ways, like learning how to use AI or like just some new programs that are out there, you might fall behind. And if you don't have a culture that helps promote that growth, you're going to have to find it where you can. My dad grew up in an era of loyalty, company loyalty, right? And I'm going to go ahead and stay there and I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm eventually going to get. And those days are gone. They're, they're, they're gone. And so this idea of building a continuous learning culture, one that does strive to make people better, um, allows you to retain your top talent so that they don't go looking for something else, Right. So I think that right. that's really, really important. Um, I, I read something just today, just today. I read something about employee engagement <clears throat> that right now in this year, it's like 32% of employees are engaged with their job. So like a third, one mm-hmm. out of three. So the rest of us have quietly quit like this, this idea of quietly quitting, <laughs> which are people who have just kind of disengaged and are showing up yeah. for a paycheck and they're doing just enough to get by. It's a very real thing. It, yes. it is. And it, I think that idea of like, so you've got one out of three folks who are like actively engaged. You've got one out of five, like 20% are actively disengaged. And so 30 plus 20, it's 50% in the middle. I had to do the math. 50% in the middle who are just, eh, whatever. I got a job. And that's who you are trying to like pick up with building a culture of continuous learning. Like every person you move over into that actively engaged category, like that saves your business. I think, I don't know. I read it today and it's, it's billions of dollars. A year. Oh, billions, billions of dollars. Of dollars that, absolutely. That employee disengagement mm-hmm. costs, you know, the national economy. And if today you started telling your employees, Hey, listen, we're not perfect and we're working on building the best version of our business possible. And one of the things we want to do is make sure that you're working to build the best version of you possible. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some things. That, let's get you some access to some training when you need it and what you need. I mean, how would you feel? How would you feel if your business did that today? I feel uh, like, I, again, we're a bunch of learning and development nerds, so maybe we're biased. <laughs> but but how would you maybe. guys feel? I'd, I'd feel love great. It. Yeah. 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 So we talked a little bit about employee engagement and retention. What's another reason why, you know, this continuing learning environment is good? Why else is it good for an organization? So let's talk brass tacks. No, no business is out there building a learning and development team because gosh darn it, it feels good. And, and they want to, they want to, they want to do it. Like they're, they're doing it because it makes organizational differences. It, pushes performance metrics. It changes your rental proficiency. Like there are real business bonuses to having this idea of continuous learning. Most employees right now, and we'll just, we'll just talk about 
one big topic. We've talked about it before, but leadership. Leadership is a set of skills that are notoriously difficult to develop and to grow and to get people used to. Businesses spend billions of dollars a year trying to hire the right leaders, create the right leaders, craft and and get ready the right leaders. Because without leadership, you know, your business is just a bunch of people who show up and type on computers and move heavy stuff. Building your culture of continuous learning, one of those things you can focus on is leadership development programs that are available to your people when they need them, that are available and part of the curriculum that moves them forward. Like, hey, you've been here a year, you've been frontline. I want you to start taking some like, you know, like ownership courses in our LMS. Why? Well, maybe someday you might want to promote to leadership. Maybe you don't, but being able to practice this level of ownership is important for your growth and development. That's a great line for a company to say. And even even if they don't mean it, oh God, I hope they do. But even if they don't, selfishly, getting your people ready to handle more responsibility and ready to like be a leader when you need them, that's future-proofing your business. Like that's just one example out of like so many. We're talking. We, what did we start talking about? We talked. We started today by gushing about artificial intelligence for like seven minutes. Hey, <laughs> continuous development talk. Also, AI talk for seven minutes because we're a bunch of nerds and we love it. But, Scott, did your business pay for you to get any artificial intelligence training? Uh, no, of course not. No. Zeta, did your business pay for you to get any artificial? No, of course no. not. No, no. No. That's training that you went off, you sought out. Now imagine this. Imagine a different scenario where Scott, your business says, "Hey, Scott, uh, you know, we're really interested in like what you can do with some of these artificial intelligence tools. So we want you to take this course starting next week. You know, we'll drop. You know, maybe it's thirty minutes, and maybe it's maybe an a total of two hours spread over the course of a few months. But all I'm doing is just getting you the basics. How much better are you with AI with that paid company time of training. Oh, thousand times better. Now, now that you can handle that and you can do that, you have that skill set. Now, because you have that skill set, the business has that skill set. And so now the business is better with artificial intelligence. Hey, I need somebody who can like run like, you know, mid journey or the Bing art generator, or can just use the new Photoshop tool. Do we have anybody in the business? Oh yeah. We sent Scott to that AI training last year. Oh, cool. Go get shooty and bring him up here and let's look at some stuff and let's make it happen. That doesn't happen without the mindset that gets you to a continuous culture of learning. But what about this idea of organizational agility? What, you know, how is fostering a learning environment good for that? Well, like the more skills you have, the more you can do, the more you're prepared for, right? I mean, like Dan was just talking about, if with AI being one of the up and rising uh, powerhouses and, and, and that's available, um, I think it's amazing that like if you invest in that, now you have that skill. Not only does that person have that skill, but they can also teach others. They can also show the way for, for their coworkers, for their leaders. Mm. It makes the whole company better, I think. Listen, I get that training, that time for training is a finite resource. 
Like you look around at your your group of employees, maybe you've got a few hundred, maybe you've got a few thousand, maybe you've got dozens, and you're like, I can't afford to send everybody to go learn AI. But if you're promoting that culture and you're making that space, like the people you send tomorrow can help create the training that your people that the next people will be able to take. Those those skill sets that learning will be in your business already. And it'll begin to work its way through. And if you're promoting growth and development and learning, when somebody says, man, I really wish I knew more about AI, their leader will say something. It'll work its way up the chain. And eventually you'll be like, hey, we got to send somebody to learn about this AI stuff. Oh, hey, wasn't so-and-so in that department? Didn't they mention being interested in it? Yes. Like, oh, cool. Great. Let's send them and a couple other folks. What are some of the things that we can do to help foster and or create a continuous learning environment, right? So we talked about why it's important, you know, all that good stuff. What are some things that we can do? And by the way, um, you know, um, what is the saying? Rome wasn't built in the day. Like your continuous learning environment is not going to be tomorrow, right? It's going to be over time. So what are those things that we can begin to do that can help foster that? I'm going to start by talking about a point out of left field. We've talked about the importance of it before, and if you're talking about changing your learning and development culture, I think the biggest thing you can do to begin to make those changes, to set yourself up for success, is measuring your learning. Because if I can't prove to you with numbers and facts that this culture of learning we're trying to build is successful, is making a difference, then it won't survive the sniff test when it gets up to your executive staff and your C-suite. Like you have to be able to provide data that like, hey, we started building this culture. We started working on this. We ran a few tests. We've got a few employees who have access to a a database of learning material. We have a few employees who, who we are sending, you know, maybe like an hour a month, hopefully more, but, you know, at least something of training. And look, here's how they're performing. And I think there's like a couple different ways you can measure that. I think there's a couple things you can start like looking for. I think like some of the the big stuff, like the the quantitative stuff, I think we're already measuring. I think we're all I think most people are already like, hey, like there's a quiz at the end of this. Like, you know, like we had 80% of our staff take this. You know, here's how many learning hours our teams. I think that's that, that stuff is already happening. I hope if it's not happening in your business, that's where you need to start. But if it is already, if that already is happening at your business, you want to talk about like some of the, like the next steps, like your qualitative stuff. Like, Hey, I talked to the employees when we do give them training, this is what they say. Here's the surveys. Now I know surveys are notoriously fickle. If you're getting, you know, response rates in the tens of digits, congratulations, you're doing great. Don't beat yourself up. But even that like 10, 12, 15% return rate on those, resp- on those surveys, that's vital information. You know, if, you, if you're talking to your people when it's already too late and they're leaving, those exit interviews, like that's vital sources of information that you can say, hey, look, listen, when we started doing this, the people who were in the group who did leave, our test, our, our continuous learning group who did leave, they stopped saying that growth was a concern why they left. Or they said it less. Like we are giving them growth. We're providing them reasons to stay. You know, you can talk about like focus groups. Like I know that's like a, a 
could be a big time sink. Like, hey, I'm going to pull a dozen people off the floor. I'm going to pull a dozen people off their jobs. And we're going to spend an hour talking about what they want to see. I know lots of ops folks are going to go like, oh, you know, but that's still vital. And like telling people, hey, we need your feedback enough that I want to take an hour out of your day to get it. That's a powerful message. If you're already doing that, great. If you're not and you're doing the other stuff, you're doing the quantitative stuff, great. It's time to move on to qualitative. Last, this is the big one. This is the super big one. I feel like I've been talking too long, like, but <laughs> I'm going to go for it. I'm charging forward. And this is like your outcome stuff. Like, hey, we're measuring test scores. We're hearing them in exit interviews. Now let's talk the big stuff. This is the numbers that your executive team, your C-suite team, your leaders, your business developers are going to be looking at. Hey, when somebody starts, what's our retention rate? Hey, how long does it take somebody to promote? How often are we promoting internally? Like, hey, when a new thing launches, how long does it take us to be proficient in the new thing internally? You know, like when we hire somebody new, what's their ramp to proficiency? What's their ramp to productivity? Those are the metrics. Those are the big ones that I think businesses that will ring the bell. And I think and I believe that continuous learning, a culture of continuous learning helps get us to. Yeah. Can, can I touch on something real quick that I think we didn't cover? I know it's kind of like from Please left do. field, like you said. Um when it comes to learning, there's a thing, and I think it's part of the culture. I think it's, there's a reason why there's this large, almost 50% of non-shift when it comes to people that are, aren't engaged, and that's the ability for failure. I, I think a lot of times in cultures now, failure is not a good thing, but if you're not trying something for the first time, I mean, a lot of times when you try something for the first time, you're going to fail, right? You're going to make a mistake, but a lot of, I've, I've noticed in a lot of cultures, there's, if you fail, it's bad. But failure is also part of the learning, the whole learning curve, right? So I think also we need to be a little bit more open, a little bit more honest as employees and as and as managers to like allow there to be a little bit of wiggle room when it comes to trying something new, being uh, open and honest about it. And if you do fail, the steps to then make the next step, because a lot of people who disconnect is because they've tried something, they've made a mistake. And they don't want to try it again. And they're like, well, I'll just hit the median. I'll be in the meh squad, you know, and just hit that median. And I, I don't know if that's part of it. It's kind of like a little hypothesis, but I don't know if you guys have heard anything like along those lines, but that also so, I think could be addressed. No, no, I think it's really important. So that's creating a, you know, a psychologically safe environment where yeah. it's okay. Like, let's be honest, like nothing, very little goes exactly the way as we planned it. And right. believe it or not, sometimes things go sideways. And you could be the best what? planner in the world. And oh yeah, I know, right? Best planner in the world. And all of a sudden, holy smokes, we're sideways. They didn't see that coming. Um, I'll tell you, as a leader, my attitude has always been, this is a great learning experience. We're never going to do this again. And we're going to move forward. <laughs> like we're going to, so well, I mean, we're not going to do it exactly the same way. Like we're going to go ahead and learn from our opportunity. We're going to make changes and we're going to be better the next time. Like if that's right. the attitude we have as leadership, then it's fine. Right. Yeah. So if something went sideways this last week for me and people like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I, I and I, I quelled the group and good leaders do this, by the way. 
they create yeah. an environment where somebody is confident that it's going to get better. And I was just like, hey, I'm confident that amongst the three of us, we're going to figure this out and have a solution by Wednesday. And I got a lot of hums and haws. No, we're going to do it. And guess what? Heck yeah. We did it. Right? We totally did it. And that's great. So being able to go ahead and have postmortems around the work that we do so we can learn and grow and not do the same thing again, super important. Um, and to be able to treat opportunities for, you know, personal growth and development for exactly what they are. Like, oh, okay. Hey, we all learned from this. This is great. Um, for the most part, none of us are saving babies. If you're saving babies, God bless you. I'm I'm glad you're saving babies, but I'm I'm not. And so yeah. that's okay. Right. Um <laughs> And uh, there, there are very few opportunities that we make that we don't have the opportunity to recover from and get better from, and that's the attitude that we need to take. So I think that that's really cool. Last thing um, that I would say around measurement, so you're totally right on that. Folks, if you're not familiar with the Kirkpatrick scale of measurement, which is what Dan went over, totally go look that up. Go to a, um, one of the learning conventions. There are several out there. Go talk to those people. They're really, really smart. But it's really important when it comes to qualitative measurement that you begin there. What's going to be new, yes. better, and different when we're done? That's the first question we should always ask and have somebody have an answer. Do not do any of the work until you have an answer. What are we signing up for? And then what's our ROI? What's our return on investment of doing this? What do, If we train people on this, we expect them to behave this way, which will lead to these results, and they have to be measurable. And if I could tell a quick story, I was talking with my VP today, and I've been doing this a long time, 30 years. And, and in my current role, I'm directly responsible for learning data. Wow. Um, what? an eye-opening experience for me. And I'm so I'm such a better leader because of it. In the in the past, it was always I told him this is true. In the past in learning development, we would just design, we would send it out and we would pray. Like I'm I'm gonna pray that this is going to get used in the right way. This is going to get going to get the results that we need. And I'm gonna go and we're gonna do that again. Design ship pray, design ship pray. Now with data, big data, hey, if when they took this part of the course and led to this behaviors, which led to these kind of measurable results. I want to know that. My C-suite people want to know that. I want to know it from a design perspective because if it's not working or if it's irrelevant, you put it out there and nobody touches it, great. Don't do that anymore. Don't be the, well, we've always done this. And I get those all the time. Well, we've always done this. Well, 32 people out of 30,000 took it. What does that tell me? Either A, I have a really bad engagement plan, or B, my audience doesn't care or doesn't find it valuable. Stop doing that. You don't have the time. You don't have the time or the capacity to spend moments and feel good activities. Like, let's just check the box. I did this. It's great. Make sure that each and everything that you do and that you touch creates the results that you want. Because you want to know what? When it comes to continuous learning, and it comes to the environment that we're all trying to create, you create that. And, and your audience is going to know it, right? They're going to feel it. They're going to see things are different. They're going to see progress. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. And they're going to see results, both from a business perspective and from a personal perspective. And those are not mutually exclusive and they never should be, ever. You're going to get the results you want. And um, everybody is going to win. 
And that's the bottom line. Costco Gold sits up. Daniel Son. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a favor and let everybody know how they could connect with us? Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, you know the drill. Email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you may have. Tell us how you're measuring training in your business and tell us if you're if you think that you have a culture of continuous learning where you're at right now. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. For all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and any updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Normally, this is where I'd pass it over to Scott, but I do want to say, if you're listening to the show and it is still in October of 2022, I would love for you to check out the website. 2023. As we get into November. Oh, 2023. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, it's 2022. Living in the past. You're out of luck. <laughs> Listen, it's been a long week. It's been a year-long week. It's still in October of 2023. Even if it's not, even if it's the future and you're listening to this episode, head over to www.thelearningnerds.com. We've got some new things I think that'll be rolling out there in the near future, and we would love to share them with you. Scott. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody, could you do me a favor? Go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Share this episode out with your friends. We'd certainly love it. Get to spread the word on continuous development. It's so important. If you like the episode, leave us a review. Spotify, iTunes, that's great. If you hated the episode, leave us a review. Spotify, iTunes, it'd be great. It's the best way for us to get better, and it's the best way for us to get this great information out to more people. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Zeta. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.